And really the, the linchpin there starts in the life energy circle, which is mindset. And the mindset I'm referring to here is, are you married to your current answers or are you married to your questions? What you really want to do is be married to the questions because the questions basically drive all innovation, all adaptation. And when you hit that next bump in the road, you're going to need to be asking the questions, how do I overcome that? Hi there, my friend. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another amazing episode here on the Fit Father and Fit Mother Project podcast. Today, you're about to experience a powerful conversation between myself and Dr. Jeffrey Gladden. He is the founder, CEO, and medical director of the Gladden Institute for Longevity, and he is a man who basically knows as much about what we can do to reverse aging, to live young through our entire lives, and he has a great book called 100 is the New 30. And in this conversation you're about to witness, we talk about all facets of what it looks like to live a long, healthy life, but not just to subscribe to the same paradigm that most of us operate in, where we're trying to do things to, you know, get incrementally better or prevent some disease. Dr. Gladden is a man who is looking to completely bust this paradigm. He wakes up every single day, although he's 70 years around the sun in with a mindset that he is 27. And quite frankly, he's doing so many things with his body that will just astound you in terms of biking, skydiving, running, strength training. So in this episode, it's pretty cool because we start off talking about some of the mindset and philosophy around living young at every decade and how this actual life energy that comes from our mindset is the foundational stuff. I mean, this is a guy who does all the advanced testing, knows everything about stem cells, protein folding, fasting, sauna, red light. We talk about all that, but he believes that the first First, most important thing is mindset. And I know all of us can improve our mindset around longevity. So that's going to be the first part of this conversation you're really going to enjoy. And then the back part, I start to just basically uh, figure out what Dr. Gladden's strategies are, like what he does during the day, what he believes are important. We talk about a lot of the other hallmarks and drivers of aging, things like telomere length, DNA damage, mitochondrial health, environmental toxins, and some practical things that we can do to actually recreate these healthy environments and help our body respond on a cellular level. And Dr. Gladden's fundamental premise, and I do recommend you get his book, 100 is the New 30, is basically if we don't approach longevity in this more holistic, exponential thinking way, and we just stay on the basic routines that all of us are doing, sure, we may extend our life to 80, 90, maybe even 100 years old, but we're not going to have this fully unleashed experience of being vibrantly healthy and taking advantage of this amazing new breakthroughs in technology. And we cover all of this in this great conversation. And as always, we have a lot of links in the show notes. So I'm not sure where you listen to this episode, but wherever you do, if you go over to our Fit Father Project or Fit Mother Project blog that has all of our podcasts, you can see some links to some of the stuff that Dr. Gladden mentions in this episode. He mentions a couple of very specific supplements, things like glucoraphanin, things like resveratrol, different kinds of supplements that he has on his store to help with nitric oxide. Those links are going to be in the show notes. So to get that, you go to the blog. Otherwise, enjoy this great conversation in today's episode with Dr. Jeffrey Gladden of the Gladden Institute for Longevity. All right, Dr. Gladden, welcome officially to the podcast, my friend. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, happy to be here. Good to see you again. Good to see you again, too. So I want to get straight into the matter. Um, you are a foremost thinker um, and physician practicing longevity medicine, and I think it's interesting you think about longevity in a deeper way than many of us do. 
like what what's the starting premise of particularly we can even reference your book 100 is the new 30 like what's the premise of what's broken right now in our current system and approach to living long and what's the message that you want to champion out in the world yeah that's a that's a great question anthony i think um i think one of the biggest problems is that people um misconstrue aging um, they think of aging as being a linear process because every year it's another birthday. I don't feel that much older. Um, and so they think they're kind of in a linear process. When in actual fact, aging is an exponential process. Uh, the aging process builds on itself and it accelerates, you know, kind of like headed towards the falls at Niagara. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> that misconception coupled with the fact that we have a very hard time imagining what we are going to be like 10 or 15 years from now. Yeah. Right? So if I ask you, what are you going to be like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Um, it's almost impossible to imagine that you're going to be any different than you are today. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yet we see it all around us. So we're, we're incredibly handicapped in our perception of aging. And because of that, we develop strategies that are actually linear strategies to an exponential problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the primary sort of misconceptions. I think the other primary misconception is what longevity is. Um, Longevity, you know, is typically thought of as living a long time. Um, And if you look up the definition, it means long lived or live a long time. Um, But when I think about it, Um, Nobody really is after that per se, not if they're going down that exponential glide path of aging and, and, uh, you know, sort of uh, loss of function. I think what we're drawn to, though, is staying youthful. And so in my mind, the most important thing is to live young for a lifetime. And I can tell you that when you adopt that as a mindset, and you understand that aging is exponential, it's the first step in developing an exponential strategy for an exponential problem. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is I wake up 27 every day, right? So I'm 27. And my next birthday, which will be at the end of February, um, this year, not the last day of February, but most years, the last day of February, um, you know, I'll turn 70 uh, laps around the sun. So the fact that I've gone 70 times around the sun is is cool, but I wake up 27 every day. And for me, the goal of longevity is <clears throat> to end up with a 30-year-old body and a 300-year-old mind, right? All the wisdom, all the insight, all the equanimity, all the transcendence uh, that comes with a 300-year-old mind, and yet have the functionality of a 300-year-old body. So when people think about their own longevity and they're like, well, I just want to live a long time. I just want to be able to do the stuff I want to do, you know, later in life. I want to, I want to be healthier for another decade. They're already um, in a sense acquiescing to the aging process because the strategy that they've bought into is a linear strategy for an exponential problem. Okay. uh, If that makes sense. It does. And so let me describe what I think might be the linear approaches to Longevity, nutrition, mm-hmm. exercise, taking some supplements. That's right. And so what, what's different about an exponential approach? Right. So um, I call that the get healthy strategy. So in the book that I wrote, 100 is the new 30, 
<clears throat> how playing the symphony of longevity will enable us to live young for a lifetime. I basically break it down into four different circles that have to be addressed. And the first circle is a life energy circle. Um, and we can go through that, but I'll just name the circles first, the life energy circle. The second one <clears throat> is basically the longevity circle itself, which is really looking at the drivers of aging. And then the third, the fourth, third circle actually is health itself, right? Like every, every organ system, every disease, everything that you're familiar with. And then the fifth circle is performance, um, the ability to perform at a high level. And so <clears throat> I've added, since I wrote the book, I've actually added a fifth circle, which is the environment, the environment that we reside in. So if you think about those four circles, Imagine that three of them are connected in a Venn diagram, right? Longevity, health, and performance. And surrounding those is the ring that binds them all, which is life energy, okay? So if the life energy circle, which is really where you get to the 300-year-old mind, if that's not really dialed up, there's all kinds of self-sabotage, excess stress, you know, so many things that will destroy health, right? <clears throat> no matter how many supplements you're taking or whatever else. So that's why that's the primary circle. And then when people decide that they want to do better, they adopt. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing anyone here because we all have started this way, but I just want to open your eyes to the fact that there's another door to go through here. So when we, when we think about longevity, we start by a get healthy strategy, which is we're going to eat better. We're going to sleep better. We're going to exercise. We're going to get a Fitbit. We're going to get a chili pad. We're going to you know, do all these different things that we hear about <clears throat> and in actual fact, it makes a difference, right? We are getting healthier. But the problem is <clears throat> with that, we haven't necessarily addressed the outer circle, the life energy circle. We certainly have not addressed the actual drivers of aging with that, right? Because there are hallmarks slash phenotypic expressions of aging that have to be looked at directly. And you have to be doing things that are directly impacting those if you're really going to stay young for a lifetime. And then if you're going to be function like a 30-year-old when you're 100, you have to focus on performance. And we have this misconception of what it is to be fit. You know, we think it's being lifting weights and doing some cardio, <clears throat> um, but it's not. Um, it's really all about training the nervous system to be fast, agile, strong, quick, balanced, right, with a great sense of cardiovascular endurance and recovery and flexibility. And so as you go through life, you've got to actually start doing exercises that train the nervous system. In fact, all of health can be pretty much reduced down to the concept of training the nervous system, how you think, how you feel, the decisions that you make, how you move through space, right? All this, this is really kind of a unifying principle. Um, so I think when you actually start to focus on that, and when you look at the fact that the longevity circle and, and addressing those true drivers of aging, those things can be addressed today. Um, there's a few that we have trouble with, but but the vast majority, there's about four we can't necessarily deal with, but except directly, but the rest of them we can. So 12 out of 16, we can address directly. And it makes a massive impact. It makes a massive impact for the individual. So I think the other thing about that is on the longevity circle, it's not just that there are things to be addressed. There's actually a timing, a frequency, an intensity, and a duration with which you address them, right? Um, and getting that symphonic element down has a major impact also. So it's not about being keto all the time. It's not about being carnival all the time. It's not about doing anything all the time. Biology's economy of balance. It likes to cycle through different states. I'm asleep. I'm awake. I'm fasted. I'm fed. I'm 
and, and basically working that rhythm, that symphonic rhythm, right, into the whole thing becomes critical. So when you do all that, now you're actually starting to develop an exponential strategy. Um, and really the, the linchpin there starts in the life energy circle, mm-hmm. which is mindset. Um, and the mindset I'm referring to here is, are you married to your current answers or are you married to your questions, right? Massive differentiator in life. Many people, you know, I was raised, I was trained, I went to college, I've done this, this is who I am, this is how we think, this is what we are. And they get married to an identity, a profession, a way of thinking, and they get married to that, right? But I can tell you that what you really want to do is be married to the questions um, because the questions basically drive all innovation, all adaptation. And when you hit that next bump in the road, you're going to need to be asking the questions, how do I overcome that? So for me, I wake up 27 every day. So it's how do I be 27 every day? If I don't feel 27, it's no, how do I get to be 27? Those, that question empowers me, right? So, Got it. And I want to certainly get into specifics on some of the drivers of aging and some of the rhythms that we can get into yep. in terms of strategies. But I want to stay a little longer on life energy because I want you to define that a little more. I think you kind of define it in, in terms of your book and some interviews I'm listening to you of like your psycho, spiritual, emotional energy that's driven by your belief structures, your thinking patterns. But can we really tease this out and also maybe talk more in the reference of your pattern of life energy enhancement or some clients that you've led through? Like what were they like before and what does it mean to actually adopt a more powerful encompassing sphere of like life energy? Like what's the word takeaways can people take from this? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. So really the life energy circle, uh, which you've heard me, uh, basically, uh, allude to, um, is the, the key piece, the top piece, if you will, is that mindset. And when you're married to the questions and not the current answers, it has a massive impact on your life. So for me, I'm, I'm empowered by four questions, which is, you know, how good can I be? How fit, how strong, how mentally sharp, how relationally replete, how spiritually connected, how psychologically and spiritually developed, right, can I be? And then how do I make 100 to new 30? How do I actually function like a 30-year-old when I'm 100 years old? And then how, how do I crack the code on the Hayflick limit? How do we live well beyond 120? Mm-hmm. And then the last question is, how do I live young for a lifetime? Right? What does it mean to be young for a lifetime? So I wake up 27. And, and I can tell you that it has such a massive impact on the way I think. It's like, oh, there's a new business opportunity? Sure, I'm 27. Let's go do it. I'm going to learn to do a whole new field. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to learn how to do this. I want to start doing that. Yeah, I'm 27. Why not? Let's go do it. I'm not married to anything I've done previously, you see. And that that's that's a mindset of youthfulness. And it actually is incredibly important not only to stay young and be young, but it's also incredibly important to adapt to what's coming, yeah. right? Adapt to what's coming. The other element of mindset really is this concept of quantum thinking um, that I mentioned to you just before we started the podcast. I'm going to write a book on quantum thinking. Um, And, you know, in in the world, I think many of us are drawn to binary thinking, right? It's a one or a zero, just like a computer. It's binary. It's one or zero. And we think that we're actually trying to get to the right answer, right? Because if it's a one, then we have the answer. And you see this in politics. You see it in religion. You see it in ethnicity. You see it in nationalism. You see it Mm -hmm. in everywhere, right? 
that it's a binary situation and it leads to all kinds of conflicts, right? Now, if you think about it from a quantum computing perspective or even quantum mechanics and physics, um, what happens in the quantum sphere is that many things are true. It's not even a circle, it's a sphere. So you go from a line that's binary into a sphere where any possibility on the surface of that sphere is possible. Mm -hmm. And it becomes, it devolves down to that solution, if you will, in the context in which the question is asked. Yeah. So if you think about uh, a problem, a situation, and you walk into it with a binary mindset, you're already predetermined that this is the answer and how do we get people over to this answer, Yeah. right? Whereas if you go into it with a with a quantum mindset, it's like, okay, all things are possible here. How do we actually get to the best solution in this context? Mm-hmm. See, it changes everything. And all of a sudden, it frees you up from beliefs that are actually holding you back, uh, beliefs about yourself that, hey, maybe I'm not good at this, or maybe I'm not, shouldn't be doing that, or, you know, whatever it is, right? And so moving past all that. Um, so this quantum thinking combined with asking the right questions, and people have to define the questions that are meaningful to them, those are my four, um, is the first step in actually living young for a lifetime and actually beating the aging process. Mm-hmm. So, I love yeah. that, and I, I wanna comment on that in a couple fronts. One, I notice your questions are all what I would describe as expansionary. Like mm-hmm. if we're gonna throw the duality of expansion and contraction, we have this idea that something can expand out into new possibilities or correct, contract down. Um, I think that is aligned with life energy in that it's more expansionary. It opens up to many possibilities on the sphere and perhaps the great ones. And like the whole over the hill mindset people have when they get older or the mindset of limitation is actually literally contracting people down into a quote unquote negative outcome that is smaller than they could be and is defining it. It's almost like linear binary thinking, but it's definitely contracting. And it also makes me think of the cycles of nature. Like every plant has a season where it's growing and expanding, reaching its peak. And then it will go on the death and decline where it loses hydration, doesn't capture nutrients, and eventually like falls and decays back into the earth. And I suppose certain people are defining their points at which they start to hit the decline. And you're saying that it's a matter of this life energy approach where if you still are actually activating the system that you are still on the front part of this whole thing, or maybe you can even divorce the idea that you need, you ever need to go to the back half of it really. And and like, that's a completely new paradigm. Um, And so I think, so someone might say, okay, but Dr. Gladden, my knees aren't the same as I was when I was 27. Like what's mm-hmm. the, what's the quantum thinking here? Um, a re, re, like quantum or expansionary thinking in relation to how to activate my life energy, knowing that I can't jump off a box like I could when I was playing football. Like right. wh- wh- where's the, where's the rubber meets the road? Exactly. So here's the thing. <clears throat> We've all had injuries. I've had many injuries, right? I'm very athletic. I'm mountain bike. I snowboard. I, you know, I've, if you had a crash reel of every time I crashed, it'd go on for an hour or more, right? Probably yourself too. But the point is we've all had lots of injuries. Um, the question is whether or not you accept them, mm-hmm. right? So when the injury happens, many people say, well, I'm, uh, that hurt me. I'm not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to do that. And I'm wise. It's like, no, I'll wear more safety gear. Or I'll figure something. I'll take a different approach, whatever. I'm not into getting hurt, but I don't stop doing what it is I love to do because I got hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And then if I'm, if I'm going to actually get back to it, uh, because I, I hurt my knee skiing right in my thirties mm-hmm. and it would swell up and it did all kinds of stuff and it would bother me for, I don't know, a long time. And then it got worse in my fifties. It got worse. And I was like, Jesus, this knee is starting to really hold me back. But instead of saying, well, 
I'm going to acquiesce to this and now I can't run anymore. It was like, no, I'm not going to acquiesce to this. How do I actually get my knee to where I want it to be? Right. And it started with that question. How do I get to where to being 27 again? Mm -hmm. When you ask that question, you'll find the solutions. Quite honestly, we have amazing things for people's knees, you know, between peptides, stem cells, knees over toes, exercise programs, things like this. Right. And you find your way back because you're 27 and you claim that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I was out running on Saturday uh, on the Katy Trail here. I'm in Dallas at the moment. And it was 20, I don't know, it was cold in Dallas, right? It was like Mm -hmm. 26 degrees, let's say. Anyway, I'm out there running and I'm thinking about this birthday coming up. And I'm running along and I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering about this birthday, right? This, this next decade birthday. Um, And I, and I started to realize, you know, I think, I think I'm feeling, I think I'm actually holding back on my running because I'm thinking about that number in that birthday. And I thought, let me switch into to being who I really am. I'm going to be 27. And all of a sudden, I'm 27. I started running faster, right? My stride got easier and smoother. I flipped into a kind of a flow pattern on running. I don't know if you're, you're probably familiar with that, right? Sure. Where you're, kind of, you're falling forward a little bit. You're just, yes. and everything's flowing. And I'm 27. I'm running faster. I'm breathing, you know, very efficiently. And I thought, what an amazing thing. All I did was change from thinking about well, I'm at this point in my life and I'm running versus no, I'm 27 and everything shifted. Right. Yeah. And so it's so powerful and people should play with this at home. Just play with that. Pick an age that you want to live for the rest of your life and try that as you're doing activities, wake up and claim that age every day. It's, it's mm-hmm. magically powerful. Yeah. And I think like what we know from the fields of like psycho neuroimmunology, that thought is creating a nervous system state that's interfacing with your immune system, with your genetics creating changes that are leading to actual protein structures. And then you're actually probably healing and regenerating as a byproduct of your thinking. And I think this is where the medicine meets the mystical is we know that there's so many, what we would call supernatural experiences that people who have gotten deep into their various sects of spirituality have experienced as Mm -hmm. a byproduct of deep mental and emotional training. And now we know this is like mechanistically what is happening. That's right. So, we, yeah. That's right. Ideas, everything begins with an idea. Yeah. And we, and really the most powerful things in the world are ideas. Mm-hmm. They are the most powerful things. We, we think, well, it's going to be the surgeon doing this or the pill that I take here or whatever else. But we also know that the placebo effect sure. is incredibly strong, right? Yeah. You, can, you can just take a sugar pill or whatever it is uh, and have, and your mind will create massive benefits, right? So it's incredibly powerful. Now there are good things to be taking. There's no doubt about that, but it's all starts with that mindset. I think. Yeah. I, I love it. Now let's, let's get into one of the other spheres in the framework. And I want to talk about some of the hallmarks or definers of aging and damage and maybe beyond what maybe people look at, which is just like basic blood work, cholesterol levels, stuff like this. Like, what do we know is, is like, what, do, what is, what do we know in terms of like testing or stuff we can observe is a hallmark of us aging. And insofar as it's relevant to each of these, like, what do we do about these things? Right. So let me rattle off a few things first, mm-hmm. and then we can come back to them. So, you know, one is, um, is telomere shortening, um, which are telomeres are the end caps on the chromosomes in your cell. And every time your cells divide, you cleave off some of those base pairs. Um, and when those base pairs number of the telomere gets short enough, it signals the cell to become senescent, mm-hmm. which basically sort of shuts down activity. It's, it's no longer working. It doesn't really divide, 
but it can turn into a secretory senescent cell that's now spewing cytokines into the environment that increase cancer risk, increase inflammation, and therefore oxidative stress. So knowing what your telomere lengths are, um, we use a company called LifeLength in Spain. Uh, they do the best telomere testing and reporting in the world. Um, and with that, then you can actually do things to relengthen your telomeres, lowering stress, exercise, um, stopping obviously bad habits, uh, tobacco use, things like that. But then there are certain supplements uh, that can help uh, increase telomere lengths, right? Isogenis, uh, TA65, TAM818. Uh, and then we have a product that we're working with um, that also has the ability uh, to uh, re-lengthen telomeres. It's under research uh, at the moment. And then, you know, your mitochondria, they make all your ATP, and they're mm-hmm. all, also the sentinels for the cell. They actually sense when something's awry. Um, mm-hmm. And keeping mitochondria healthy is incredibly important. So, um, you know, exercise is a great thing to do there. We like to use molecular hydrogen. We just finished a podcast on uh, C15, which is a saturated fat <clears throat> that actually was found to keep dolphins living 50% longer um, and now has been translated into human research and is showing amazing benefits for humans in terms of mitochondrial function, etc. So, you know, we like things like that. And then <clears throat> there's this whole thing related to proteins, right? So what's called proteostasis, how proteins are basically transcribed off the DNA into the messenger RNA, how that messenger RNA is is basically um, clipped or uh, truncated uh, down to the, the messenger elements that actually code for the protein. Mm-hmm. Um, the fidelity of that um, messenger RNA splicing, if you will, uh, falls apart. That's a hallmark of aging the structure of the protein um, can be altered. And when it's altered, it doesn't work as well. It doesn't mm-hmm. fold properly. Uh, and proteins are really like three-dimensional keys. It's, yeah. it's like a string of amino acids that fold up based on their charges. So yeah. then all of a sudden you have a dysfunctional protein. And then when proteins aren't working well, they should be disposed of, right? Which is autophagy, basically where you're recycling these proteins back to the amino acids or destroying them. Um, and there are, are chaperone proteins and chaperone molecules that will actually help proteins to fold properly. And there are things that you can do to increase autophagy to get rid of bad proteins. Uh, spermidine is a great one for that. Mm-hmm. Um, serine, the amino acid serine is a chaperone protein. Heat shock proteins that come from sauna use helps you fold proteins properly, things like that. Then there's the whole thing of cross-linking and glycation. When we eat a lot yeah. of sugar, we're basically linking up sugar molecules to our proteins, which stiffens our joints, stiffens our tendons, makes us where we become the stiff old person, right? And so being able to, you know, treat that with some L-carnosine and and actually changing your diet and things like that becomes important. Mm -hmm. And then cancer risk, right? Cancer risk goes up dramatically. And a lot of that has to do with the ability to detox on the toxic environment that we live in. So basically, you know, knowing your genetics around detoxification and taking the right supplements to improve detoxification, things like sulforaphane, mm-hmm. uh, things like uh, resveratrol, um, calcium deglucarate. Uh, some of these things will really help push forward the detox potential, which ultimately lowers cancer potential. Um, and then energy production is important to decreasing cancer potential mm-hmm. and boosting the immune system. So, And then there's a hallmark of aging DNA repair. How well are you able to repair your DNA, right? We can measure DNA damage in the blood now. Um, and then actually, as people age, their microbiome all is changed, right? Mm-hmm. And the question is, is it chicken or egg 
The answer is it's probably both. Right. Um, and so rejuvenating the microbiome back to a healthy, youthful state becomes important. And then people have probably heard about epigenetic aging, um, you know, where basically DNA methyl groups or methyl groups are added to the DNA or subtracted from the DNA in certain patterns that actually correlate to the biological age. Mm -hmm. um, and from this, you can actually learn your rate of aging and you get one biological age uh, based on DNA methylation. There are many biological ages. Don't ever be fooled into thinking you have one biological age. We are a mosaic of ages. Mm -hmm. um, and so that becomes very important. And that can be impacted by improving NAD levels and uh, by exercise and saunas and healthy living and fasting and intermittent fasting and five-day fast mimicking diets. All these things can have a, a significant impact on DNA methylation age. Oh, and young plasma. Mm -hmm. uh, getting an infusion of young plasma can help as well. Um, and then there's the whole nutrient sensing elements of mTOR and AMPK. Yeah. Um, basically, this is a teeter-totter between anabolic growth and development, and we need that for bone density, muscle mass, and, and things like that and repair. But AMPK, <clears throat> um, but it shuts down autophagy. AMPK yeah. increases autophagy and increases DNA repair and relengthens telomeres and does all the things to actually rejuvenate the organism. Mm -hmm. And that happens when you're fasting, when you're not fed. It happens when you're exercising. It happens yeah. when you take things like berberine or metformin, yeah. uh, resveratrol, um, or carbon-15, C15 now mm -hmm. has been shown to this healthy fat has been shown to upregulate AMPK also. Mm -hmm. So these are the kinds of things that you need to, to think about. And there's more inflammation, oxidative stress. Yeah. Um, you know, we could go on and on. I don't want to, I don't want to go down. It's the a good list. Way. And I think yeah. someone could take that and, and, and do branch off research. And I'll make sure that people who listen to this will do some solo episodes to unpack many of those elements. Hey, it's Dr. Ray. I want to quickly pause this episode to thank you for listening to this Fit Father podcast. I am just blown away at how amazing this podcast has become. I had no idea when I started FFP around 10 years ago that it would grow into such an impactful mission. And I want to let you know that I am so grateful to be connected to you in this lifetime. And on behalf of me and my entire team, we are so grateful to be in your life, helping you get and stay healthier for your family. That's what I want to share. Just some gratitude from my heart to yours. Let's get back to today's episode. I have a very specific question. Yeah. we Let's say we don't have any of the technology or maybe even access to specific supplements, like we don't have berberine or we don't have like metformin or we don't have spermidine or anything like that. Someone's living 400 years ago. What would you tell them and how would you design someone 400 years ago, their exact ideal lifestyle to maximize all of these things with just food, movement, light, water, et cetera? Like what does an ideal life look like for someone? But you put them in an environment where they, you can control their stressors as well, but describe what that optimum life looks like without necessarily the use of the specific techs, nutraceuticals, et cetera. Right. <clears throat> well, you're going to want to, you want to want to have access to clean air, mm -hmm. really clean air. The, the, and the air 400 years ago when the industrial revolution was starting to get polluted. Let's go before that then. I want to dodge that. So really clean air, maybe okay. a thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're a really clean air. And the other thing, a funny thing is a lot of these ancient cultures were cooking inside their tent, right? Or inside their whatever. Not so ideal. they're sitting there breathing all this smoke. But if you're asking me, uh, it would be really clean air. It would be water that is deuterium depleted hmm. and structured. 
Mm-hmm. And that is only found in certain places coming out of the earth, deep out of the earth, where it becomes deuterium depleted and is structured. And then when you have water that's like that, it decreases cancer risk and improves cellular function, increases mitochondrial function and things like that. So if I'm going to live and pick, you know, sometime in history or even today, if I'm going to live today and I don't have access to any of the other tools, I would want to live someplace where um, there's clean air. I have access to structured and deuterium depleted water. I'd want to have really rich soil all around me to where I could be eating a wide variety of plants and some animals that were all on a nutrient dense diet and the plants were very nutrient dense. Yeah. And I'd be eating a wide variety of plants. It'd be seasonal, of course, mm-hmm. um, but I'd want to live a little closer to the equator. So I'm not up in Siberia someplace yeah. or Northern Canada. Um, <clears throat> and then I think getting, you know, you get, you wake up with the sun, you go to bed with the sun, mm-hmm. right? So you get your circadian rhythm really dialed in. Yeah. Um, and then you probably, um, you know, exercise is going to be a part of this too. And you'd want to live in some sort of a social environment. You know, you'd almost be mimicking a blue zone now where you yeah. have some integration across generations and you have uh, daily activities. And quite honestly, one of the magic bullets in the Mediterranean diet is the fresh herbs. Mm-hmm. It's not the wine. The olive oil is great, but it's not the wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have much better forms of resveratrol than that now. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, something called vinia that's amazing with Piscean resveratrol, 75% absorbed as opposed to 2%. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, um, you'd want access to, to those kinds of things, right? Like the Blue Zone people where you have yeah. daily activities and exercise. And, and that would be good, but you would still fail mm-hmm. because you're still going to go through hormone depletion. Mm-hmm. You're still going to go through bone density loss. Your telomeres are still going to shorten. It's really, we're the first generation to really have access to adding onto that foundational piece, right? Where you have clean water, clean air, and all nutrient-dense food, a good rhythm of living and exercise and social environment. We can now add onto that, and now we can extend youthfulness is really the idea. But if that's all I had, that's what I would do. How far do you think that gets you in terms of like, you know, chronological age is not super, so important, but like that lifestyle, does that get you to the 120 if it were perfect? No. No, it doesn't. I don't think it gets you there. It does. I mean, maybe somebody gets there, but certainly not. We're not going to take the masses to 120 with that. Um, Um, Definitely. We're definitely not. Got it. Um, Yeah. So, okay. I think, I think it gives you a healthier shot, but there's, there's lots of different genetic hurdles that people have. One of the other primary issues is that people don't know the cards that they're holding. So now they're playing a game they don't understand, they don't relate to, and they don't know the cards they're holding. And they have a get healthy strategy, which is lovely. And it's, you have to have it, but what are the odds of winning, right? What are the odds of winning? So, all right. So this is going to be in relation to your specific cards, the amount of testing you've done and generally all that, you know, can you run us through what your daily routine, generally speaking is with emphasis on the things that you eat morning and evening routines water and exercise. And I want a blanket statement this for everyone listening. This does not mean this is going to be optimal for you, but it will be very, I think, explanatory because there'll probably be some good crossover from this. Yeah, I would say, you know, the first thing is that um, I do live in Puerto Rico part of the time, right? So a little over six months out of the year and down there where I am, we have the cleanest air in the world, right? So I live right by a rainforest. So I have good humidity in the air. 
I live right by the ocean. So I have, you know, all the minerals coming out of the ocean. Mm -hmm. I get sunlight every day. I'm outside. I'm I'm grounded and walking in my bare feet in the sand or on the grass or whatever. Right. So all those things are like really, really nice. And I, my routine is to wake up. I take my thyroid, right? I need T3 and T4, right? I wouldn't have that a thousand years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, but I need T3 and T4 and I don't convert genetically inactive T4 to active T3 in my brain very efficiently at all. So taking Synthroid uh, or levothyroxine is not going to get it done for me. So I need T3 and T4. Um, So I get up, I take that. And the next thing I do is I sit down and I journal and I basically write down three things that I'm grateful for, right? Always begin with gratitude. And then I write down three things that are, um, that I want to have happen in this day. What would make today great? Mm -hmm. And then I do two affirmations. It starts with I am, and then I, I put down the affirmations, right? So one of my affirmations is that I'm 27. Mm-hmm. I have unlimited resources, access to unlimited resources. I live in a fabric, an energetic fabric of love and support, and I have unlimited opportunities, and I'm a quantum thinker, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I go into the, into the day, it's like, you know, there are no limitations on resources. We can do what we need to do, right? It's, and I just open myself up to what the world brings me and the universe brings me and make good decisions based on who to work with, based on do, does I, do I find this person inspiring and are they a quantum thinker, mm-hmm. right? Those are the first two criteria. If they meet those criteria, then we can do something together. And the goal of doing anything together is actually ultimately to create a great relationship, it's not just about the money it's yeah. or, or the success of the business, right? So you're really about building relationships. So I, I think about that as I go through my day. And then from there, I go do a workout. I do a physical workout and I do cardio five days a week and I do resistance training twice a week. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of balance training. Um, you know, I have balance boards all over the house and, you know, in the office and things mm-hmm. like that. So I can jump on one. So I have, I have wonderful balance. Um, there's a wonderful book on athleticism by a guy named Justin Franson, who was a, on our podcast. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, good. I love Justin. He's yeah, a great. He's awesome. Guy. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that's a great book. Uh, the Rise of Superman, Enabling People to Get Into Flow States. Uh, we're really big on that. So <clears throat> anyway, I do um, very efficient exercise. Um, mm-hmm. Like I have an ARX uh, yeah. or resistance band. So I can do a really resistance training literally in about 15 minutes and get full body workout twice a week. Um, then I, I work on my core, I work on my balance, and then I'm either mountain biking, running, um, or using a Vasper, which is blood flow restriction exercise uh, and interval training. So then from there, um, I step into my day, my work day, if you will. Um, and I go through that. And I still haven't eaten. Um, I will take something called perfect aminos after I work out because it helps build protein. And I my kidneys were damaged when I was a kid uh, at age five. So I try not to overdo protein. I think a lot of people can overdo protein. People, high protein diets are associated with more kidney disease. People die sooner. Carnivore diets are associated with high methionine levels, mm-hmm. uh, which ages us faster. So yes, we do need, I think we need some animal protein, but I'm not a carnivore guy. Um, and then, <clears throat> you know, some organ meats like liver, if you get a good quality liver, can be a good source of nutrients. Um, and so then I go into my day, I still haven't eaten. And then I'll try to try to eat something either um, nutrient dense, like I have some powders that I use um, that, that are really good. Um, nutritionally complete is a powder that I use. Um, 
and um, I'll drink that. And then maybe for lunch, I'll, I'll have a salad or I'll have maybe a, a sandwich. I try to stay away from gluten. Gluten and I don't get along really well. Um, but I try to eat, I try to eat in a particular window, but I never eat a big meal. Mm-hmm. So I'll eat enough to not feel hungry. And then I'll, a couple hours later, three hours later, I feel hungry again. I'll eat some more. Till, and, but you never want to, in blue zones, they don't eat till they're full. Mm-hmm. You never want to eat till you're full, right? It's, it's a, we think of eating as restorative, but eating is actually a big stress on the body, particularly when you're dumping in a bunch of calories. Now your body's got to deal with all that, right? That's why you want to take a nap after Thanksgiving dinner, right? It's, it's a big load. It's, it's really, it's stressful. So when you start to realize that eating is stressful, then, you know, you mix it up and you, you break it up into smaller, smaller portions, if you will. Um, then I try to finish my day. Um, then I always try to have some social activity, either with family, friends, uh, the woman I live with, my, my life partner is, uh, you know, we have wonderful relationships. So we always look forward to getting together, laughing, talking, um, you know, physical touch is important to both of us. So, you know, all this, and then I play music, I'm a guitarist. So I'll sit in the evening and, uh, you know, work on a song I'm writing or doodle around with that. Then I play some games. I'm learning how to play chess. My youngest daughter. I play too. Yeah. My youngest daughter picked up chess and said, dad, won't you play? And I put it off for three months. And now I'm, I'm on an app learning how to play chess, doing these chess, you know, challenges and games and stuff and playing her simultaneously. Super fun. I'm getting, actually getting better. I mean, I, I knew how to move the pieces, but I never knew how to play. And I'm not a great chess player, but I'm actually learning. I'm actually starting to actually, it's, I've done it long enough that it's started, which is about three weeks that I'm starting to get a sense of how this actually works. So that's mm-hmm. super fun, right? So mm-hmm. I'm only 27. Why not? All right. I love it. A couple things jump out to me. Um, one, it seems that you're a proponent of intermittent fasting on a daily basis. Is that a general recommendation for people like who come into your, your clinic or is that more of a specific thing for you? It depends on the individual. <clears throat> um, really depends on the individual. You know, there was a study done um, looking at people that ate three meals a day versus those that ate two or one. And it was a pretty large study. Uh, it was published, I think, in 2015. Um, it was like 15,000 people or something. Um, and what they found is that the people that did the best ate three meals a day from a longevity perspective. The people that ate one meal a day, excuse me, had a higher incidence, significantly higher incidence, like a 1.8 increased risk of cardiovascular disease and a 1.6 increased risk of mortality, right? And I think it's not because fasting isn't good. It's because eating that big one meal is such a load on the system, Mm. right? And so when I, when I do sort of fast, I just, I sort of follow my body. I'm not really hungry yeah. until about 11 o'clock in the morning, but there are some mornings where I wake up and I'm hungry. And if I am, I'll eat. Yeah. So, right. So I, like I kind of follow it that way. Yeah. we found that this, uh, the prolonged five day fast mimicking diet is a great way to reset somebody's taste buds, their gut and their appetite. Yep. And so we're, we like that piece a lot. Um, and so that's, that's a piece that we use. Nice. You know, I, I'm, I'm having more as my understanding of health has increased a couple of things I've noticed. I think when someone gets healthy on like a cellular mitochondrial level, I suspect, especially if they're taking things like the molecular hydrogen water, you may actually need less food from like crude 
calorie standpoint because you actually right. have more cellular energy and you're That's actually right. extracting that in a more effective way through hydrogen and maybe even influences of light and things like this. So I think that's interesting. And I see you, I see you kind of doing that. Um, and two, I think I don't want people to overlook the aspect of your balance training in there because I think that's a definitely an underlooked aspect of physical training. We do a lot yeah. of two legged stuff instead of single leg. And I know you're so intentional about that, but I want people to understand this is because it's activating your nervous system in a much more dynamic way that is going to lead to training effects, youth, longevity. Like you're, you probably get like, brain growth and, and new neur neurons are growing and BDNF releases because you're doing motions, let alone the guitar for your coordination, your cerebellum. Like there's a lot of subtle factors in here that make this a real super longevity routine. Yeah. And I think if you can't run down the stairs, um, then your, your balance and your proprioception, your sense of where you are in space isn't where you really want it to be. So as people get, you know, as they move through life, they start to hold the railing, they start to do this, yeah. they start to feel for the curb. Um, you know, and that's, that's really kind of a death knell because when people fall, if they're not exercising, they break a hip and then it's a big downward spiral, right? Yeah, and and so, is. yeah, you want to be able to run down the stairs. You want to be able to do all, you know, so that's your goal. What would you do when you're 30 years old, 27 years old? That's what you want to do, right? Yeah. It's not, I think one of the, I will say this, one of the biggest mistakes I see people say is they acquiesce to the aging process by saying, yeah, but I'm good for my age. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm good for my age, right? I'm better than most people my age. I'm actually fine. Man, you are in a boat in the Niagara River fishing. Oh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> but yeah. that current, that current is sweeping you away. What you need to be doing is figuring out how to put a motor on that boat so you can go upstream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, good yeah. point. Um, I want to ask you about like, you mentioned earthing and grounding. It's something that you do. Do you believe that that's truly foundational from a health perspective? Like our feet are meant to be connected to the ground from the, elect the negative electric potential and that it's, it is necessary for like real, real well-being? I think it's, I think it's very important for real well-being, right? And I sleep on a grounding mat as well. I do too, just so everyone knows. Like yeah. I have grounded sheets. There's two guys that have studied this for a long, long time are both yeah. doing that. So that yeah. might be a signal for you. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, thoughts on like how you incorporate sauna or cold plunge. These are kind of obviously trendy things, but they have a lot of like really great mechanisms and, and beneficial. Does this, yeah. does this come into your routine? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I like sauna. Uh, I'll probably do a sauna after this podcast actually. Um, nice. just cause I broke sweat here, but yeah. no, I'm just teasing. But, um, you know, really the best way to do sauna is to do cardio and then jump in the sauna. Yeah. So a lot of athletes do that to improve their uh, cardiovascular performance and using sauna is so powerful, you know, in terms of decreasing mortality, cancer risk, um, mm -hmm. dementia risk, cardiovascular disease risk, all cause mortality. It's remarkable. So doing a, a sauna at least four days a week is, is mm -hmm. ideal. I will admit, I don't always get that depending on my travel schedule and things like that, yeah. but I try to get it in as much as I can. And then, I like doing the cold plunge. Uh, you know, there's lots of benefits to cold plunge, uh, dopamine activation and yeah. sympathetic nervous system activation in a, in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a really, it's really fun. And so I, I like challenging myself. One of my statements for 2024 is that I really am embracing doing hard things. Right. So I've always done hard things, but it's like, no, I'm embracing hard things. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes you see a hard thing and it's like, well, oh, geez, I'm not sure about that. And you kind of 
meander around it for a while before you start to take a bite at it. It was like, no, that's a hard thing. Let's go do that. Right. Yeah. And I, I saw you mention this on a, on another podcast, the word anti-fragile. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's kind of like that. That's the concept that when things get hard, I get better. That's like right. you literally lean into the fact that the challenges bring more out of you as opposed to That's right. resilience, which is like, if things are hard, I can cope and I can cope longer than most right. people. Whereas anti-fragile right. is the opposite. It's like the quantum thinking approach to challenge. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. No, nice. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, thought, like, do you use an infrared sauna, regular sauna? Do you have any take on that? Well, <clears throat> you know, all the original data out of Scandinavia was in a, a Swedish, you know, yeah. sauna. Um, so it's hard to argue with that. But yeah. at the end of the day, um, there's data on infrared saunas as well, uh, some, especially out of Japan. Some really nice data on cardiovascular disease, angina, peripheral vascular disease, heart failure with significant improvements for people. And I think at, at the end of the day, if you get in the sauna, you get you get hot. You realize infrared's heating you from the inside out. Yeah. Swedish sauna from the outside in. Um, so you tend to sweat more earlier in the, in the regular Swedish sauna, but nonetheless, if you get your core temperature up and you start perspiring really well, not only is it great for detox, it's one of our favorite ways to detox. And Mm -hmm. we find so many people are full of toxins. Mm -hmm. Um, but also it's activating these heat shock proteins, which is also improving, right. This proteostasis, uh, this protein folding, right. So, um, and has other benefits. So anyway, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you brought that full circle to some of those those uh, aging mechanisms. Even if someone didn't exactly understand all of those when we were talking about it, it is basically, you know, when Dr. Gladden was talking about helping your proteins fold and work better, this is like a key mechanism for that. These heat shock proteins that are released in response to hot temperatures help that. And you get more peripheral circulation. A lot of people as they get older, obviously erectile dysfunction in men is a, is a, is a symptom of poor peripheral circulation. Nitric oxide levels are getting lower, let alone heart health. It's like the holy grail of adding heat to vascularly expand the system mm-hmm. is massive. Like, I, I love that. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I think, I think erectile function, since you brought it up, is really key. I think yeah. um, you want to be having as much sexual activity as you can for a couple mm-hmm. of reasons. One, it's a good barometer of where you are cardiovascularly, mm-hmm. right? And if, you, if you're not able to, you know, engage like you used to or like you wanted to, then it's like, okay, I'm 27. What do I need to mm-hmm. do to get back there? <laughs> And we, yeah. and we have, we have great ways to help people get back there, right? Like certain supplements like Vasconox and Neo 40 and Arterosil and yeah. uh, Vinny. And you put these things together and all of a sudden you're rehabbing your arteries, yeah, uh, which is great for cardiovascular health. And you're doing the sauna, which is revascularized or great for your yeah. arteries. And now your sexual function's back and it's like, great, let's enjoy this. And one of the reasons you want to do that is because physical intimacy raises oxytocin levels yeah and oxytocin is magic for longevity it's magic for longevity it's good for your brain it relengthens telomeres it decreases inflammation you know anything that you want in the longevity space more oxytocin is better so even hugging kissing uh, orgasms any of these things are wonderful 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 so really having a strong physical connection with you know the person that you're uh, with um, is a wonderful thing to do yeah. And just think about the antithesis state of that neurochemically would be like high cortisol, like low serotonin and dopamine because you're on screens and not connected to people. Right. Like I couldn't think of a, a, a chemical environment that would be worse for longevity versus the high serotonin, high oxytocin, balanced dopamine, like just 
That's a right. happy, connected person. Exactly. So, yeah. I want to talk about light. I think light, we're going to see a lot more people like talking about red light therapy or mm-hmm. even just circadian rhythm and the importance of the sun. This has been like the thing, in my opinion, that's like, in our, it was like there all the time, but now we're getting some science to back the different spectrums of light. And obviously when we talked about that person a thousand years ago, you said you would get them synced up to the sun and the, and the sun setting and good uh-huh. circadian rhythm. How does this play into longevity? Let's talk about technology and like the influence of that and like what you do for yourself and counsel people like, and yeah. how important it is if, yeah. if like your stance on that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important. It's kind of like getting clean water and, uh, you know, clean air. I think it's right there with those, right? Because um, circadian rhythm, um, it drives so many other functions in your body. You know, your immune system, your cortisol production, your blood sugar control. So many things are linked to, uh, you know, those clock proteins, basically. Yes. And so <clears throat> um, I think it's super important. So I actually go to bed fairly early. And I get up fairly early. Uh, you know, I was always impressed as a child when I heard about Ben Franklin, you know, early to bed, early to rise, right? So um, I don't know why, but it just kind of stuck with me. So I'll, I'll go to bed reasonably early. Um, and then um, I wake up early. Um, and I think, I, think, I think that circadian piece is very important. I think that, you know, blue light screens, artificial light, of course, is the nemesis of all that. If I am going to be on a screen, I always have it turn to where I'm minimizing blue light, right? I put yeah. on a filter for that. And then yeah. in the evening, you can wear true dark glasses yeah. that basically filter out light so that all of a sudden you're coaching your brain into sleep. Yes. Um, and so that's very important. And my brain sleeps better with some 5-HTP, some L-theanine, mm-hmm. some mel- melatonin. Yeah. And if I wake up and I'm thinking about stuff because I have many things going on, like many people do, um, you know, I've learned that you can never think your way back to sleep. So really the whole the whole goal of getting back to sleep is actually to stop thinking. So I go through a meditation where I just pay attention to my breathing. You mm-hmm. know, and as thoughts come in, I let them go. But it's just back. To, I just it's return to breathing and, and then I'll fall back asleep. That becomes my my thing. Uh, nice. So that's kind of. Yeah. So that's kind of how I do that. I love that. And I, I have a couple of questions branching off that because this will kind of dovetail into sleep habits. I was shocked when I started digging into the research because I was looking for ways to convince people that the blue light or just light patterns are important and how obviously blue light and too much light at night when the sun is down suppresses melatonin Mm -hmm. and how huge melatonin is for the immune system as an immune modulator. That like blew my mind how important that is. And and melatonin is an anti-aging molecule, of course, because it works on the immune system and all that. Um, There's many people that have mixed bag about melatonin supplementation or use. And I, and personally, I, I have melatonin all the time on my nightstand. I can't say I take it every night, but there's long stretches where I take it often. What is your stance on like melatonin supplementation? Like even some of the research, long-term use dosages, if there's like, cause we can get everything from like 0.5 milligrams up to 10 milligrams. Um, and how, what your take is on using melatonin? Yeah. So it's a great question. Uh, the first thing for people to understand is if you take melatonin regularly, you do not suppress your ability to make melatonin. Yes. Uh, unlike testosterone or estrogen or something else where you actually, or thyroid, where you suppress your body's ability to make it because you're, you know, you're basically doing it for it. That's not the case with melatonin. <clears throat> the interesting thing in dosing melatonin is that it's incredibly individualized. Like a half a milligram for some person could just knock them down And for other people, it can take 100 milligrams, quite honestly. So the dosing range on melatonin is very wide. Um, 
I find that when I take too much melatonin, I'm, I have brain fog in the morning. And this is a reported side effect of melatonin is that it can actually cause brain fog or kind of memory impairment initially. So just be aware of that. But there's an, another upside to melatonin, which is that um, in the third ventricle of the brain, right? So the, the brain has these cisterns, if you will, for cerebral spinal fluid that kind of move through one, two, three, four. Uh, mm-hmm. There's in the ventral lateral wall of those of that third ventricle are stem cells. And those stem cells are secreting exosomes, which is uh, basically male, if you will. It has an envelope, it has a content and a signature, mm-hmm. and it sends that mail to other cells, giving them messages as to what to do. Yeah. And when those, those, that mail that's being sent out is stay young. And it turns out that melatonin helps those stem cells live longer, mm-hmm. right? Helps you live longer. So when those stem cells die, it's, it's triggering aging to occur because there's a lack of those letters yeah. coming in saying stay young. So if you're using melatonin, I always think about the fact that you're actually helping yourself to live longer with melatonin yeah. um, in that sense. The other thing is that it does mod- modulate the immune system, but it's also a very strong um, anti-inflammatory as part right. of that modulation. Yeah. And in fact, with COVID and some of the other things that you're sure. right? And even inflammaging, um, yeah. We do, we do some very sophisticated testing with transcriptomics and proteomics to look at where somebody is relative to the inflammation and oxidative stress of aging. And we see that people can be doing, they can be on a perfect regimen, and yet that's still burning through for them. Mm-hmm. And then we have special peptides we can use to go in and modulate genetic expression and shut that down or turn that back into a more youthful pattern, right? This is some of the research work we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is that this idea of inflammation and controlling it is super important and oxidative yeah. stress. So things like hydrogen, things like the C15, things like melatonin, mm-hmm. um, these special pro-resolving mediators that are derivatives of fish oil that are 200 times more potent at turning down inflammation. All these things yeah. become important in that regard. Nice. Love it. That's super cool and nice to know your routine. And by the way, I think L-theanine is very overlooked. I think it's a super versatile supplement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for those that don't know, amino acid in green tea that gives it this kind of calming effect. It can shift mm-hmm. the brain into alpha waves. You can use it during the day without a lot of drowsiness. It kind of pairs yep. with many things for focus. Yep. Yep. And at night, pairs with melatonin for sleep. It's like amazing. So yep. I'm a massive fan. Yeah, I like I like L-theanine too. And uh, we've had some race car drivers that we've taken care of where, you know, they get all jazzed up. We give them L-theanine and T-quid. And teeth yeah. together. Yeah, that's another good. common focus, right? It's kind of a yeah. really cool combination. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, uh, like in the in the back part of this conversation, I, I want you to talk about like this concept of money. So, I, I found this fascinating from one of your interviews, right? Where you're talking about money, people misview it. They mis they view it as like an asset, mm-hmm. where it's actually a resource, and health is your actual asset. Can that's we right. speak more about this and kind of like wrap it in a big philosophical mm-hmm. container of helping people invest and see what's actually the real game? They're playing yeah. here? Well, I think, you know, when you go through the life energy circle, uh, one of the things that comes out is that on some level, many people don't feel safe, right? And I think not feeling safe is foundational to things like anxiety and stress and even anger, right? And depression. It's tied into this feeling of not being safe. 
And so people feel like, well, if I just had this, if I was just married to the right person, if I lived in the right neighborhood, if my business was doing this much or that much or whatever, or if I could just hire this person, then I would feel safe, then everything would be good. If I just had enough money, it would be good. If I have a, if I have a billion dollars, that would be good. But you know what? Two billion would be better, right? If I had two, no, if I had 10, that would be better. If I had 100, that would be better, right? So there's this never-ending feeling of not being safe and that more is better. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> quite honestly, what I've come to understand is that nothing external to us can ever make us feel safe, mm-hmm. right? There's no relationship. There's no, nothing can actually do that. So the same is true for feeling love, like unconditional love for yourself, right? There's only one person that can give you that for yourself, and that's you. You have parents that love you unconditionally, but it's always tainted. There's always things that go through, you know, that we work on in therapy or whatever else to kind of move Mm -hmm. past. So giving yourself unconditional love, you know, the way I think about it is going down and scooping up your little three-year-old self, right? That precious little two, two and a half, three-year-old self is like, oh my God, yeah, what a wonderful little being this is. I just love this little guy or little gal, right? Mm -hmm. And then making yourself feel safe. So the way I make my feel safe is I go back and scoop up my little say, myself and say, I'm going to keep you safe. I've got you. I've got you. We're good. We're good. And the other way is that I'm spiritually connected. Mm-hmm. I'm not terribly religious, quite honestly, but I'm very spiritually connected. And the idea is that, no, this is an eternal thing. This is, you know, this goes on. This is not the end. There's nothing that can really, really make me feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. And having that mindset and then going into a quantum space of quantum thought and living in a quantum reality um, changes the game. All of a sudden it's like, I'm here on earth because I'm able to do things and I have a greater sense of purpose. And that's what I'm here to do. And money becomes a resource for me to be able to do these things. And yes, I I live a lifestyle and I do things and I I have some nice things, but I'm not obsessed with money. It's not, Mm -hmm. and I'm not looking for money to make me feel safe or I'm, I'm looking at money as the opportunity to help me grow and have a bigger impact on the planet, right? And so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the the way I view money. It's a resource and we, we have yeah. asset managers and so we think it's an asset, but really your health, the way you think, you know, your mental health, your relationships, those are your real assets, so. Yeah, because those gives you the ability to create more. It like that's right. those, that's the capacity to create. And anything that's rooted in that energy of fear is like this contraction energy, like insofar as we have that idea of expansion mindset versus contraction, the quantum thinking versus the localization into some negative outcome that's going to define everything. Like the fear emotion is naturally contracting. We withdraw from the fear. Exactly. And, and something that I love about you, I mean, many things, is you're a guy who's a champion for longevity, but you're also not someone who's doing it from the realm of like, you're not afraid to die. Because many people are trying to live forever because they they still have this egoic fear of death. Right. You're just trying to maximize this beautiful symphony of life that's and help right. other people while you're there. And like that's the representation of I think this generative energy that is running through us and, and maybe at the heart of all deep spiritual traditions, regardless of some of the different facts and stories they put around that. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think for the viewer viewers or listeners, I guess they're not viewing this, but um I want to share a graph with you. And that is that, you know, imagine that aging, we have an XY graph and aging is an exponential decline, right? So just imagine a line that starts up mid, mid side there on the X and comes down and it's, it's exponential decline. And then if you think about your ability to impact, 
you know, the people around you, your business, your family, et cetera, and your opportunities. That is an exponential curve going the other direction. It's going up. Every decade, you have access to more opportunities, greater impact, more wisdom, right? And more resources. And so when those two lines cross, this is the tragedy of life, right? It's the tragedy of life because when they cross, you can keep that growth going for a bit, but then your ability to, you know, actualize those opportunities and make that impact starts to crater. So the idea of living young for a lifetime, now if you imagine that you're 30 and there's a line going straight across, right? Look what that does to your exponential growth, right? If you want to talk about a return on investment, there is no better return on investment than investing in your health, right? With your mindset, Mm -hmm. your time, your attention and resources. There's, you know, the best investment I ever made, right? Best return on investment was putting myself through medical school, right? Hands down, nothing compares to that except this because staying young you know, if I have decade after decade of exponential growth in my opportunities and impact, oh my gosh, what a beautiful life to live, right? Yeah. And that's the life that I'm going for. Yeah. I see that. So much respect for you doing that and bringing this conversation as well as like the strategies to the forefront. And what I want to end on is I, I can see a society, a culture that reflects this truth where our most respected people in society are those that are 70, 80, and 90 going on 30. That's it. And, and that those are our tribal leaders with the most experience who also have kept themselves in great shape to, to be there in leadership because they have the physical capacity to, to match the aged mind. And right now that is not like the older people, you know, eighties are discarded and they're honestly seen as something that is a tax on the system or, oh, we got to go visit grandma in the nursing home, but it could be the exact opposite. And I think that's maybe the promise of the future and a culture that respected the elders in that way because they command respect from being divorced from the debility of this current expression of aging Right, is a cool place to live. Exactly. That's why I'll never retire. I mean, why would I ever retire? I'm only 27, yeah. right? I'm <laughs> Love this. Well, thank you for this awesome conversation. I want to make one more emphasis as I did in the intro that we have the book, 100 is the New 30. Um, highly recommend you pick that up and wherever you like to buy your books. And then Dr. Jeffrey Gladden, thank you. And let us know where else people can visit you to learn more about your clinic, some of the supplements you might have mentioned as well, um, and other places for people to connect further. Yeah, that'd be great. So uh, you can find us at <clears throat> gladdenlongevity.com and you'll learn about the clinic. Um, And if you'd like to have a conversation with us, there's a place there where you can uh, submit some information. We'll reach out to you and have a conversation about what your goals are and build out a custom plan for you. Um, So that's one. The book, um, as as Anthony mentioned, there'll be links to that there too. And then we have a podcast, the Glad Longevity Podcast. Now with over 230 episodes, uh, it used to be called Living Beyond 120. It changed the Glad Longevity Podcast, I don't know, 100 episodes ago or something. but um, that's a great podcast. We do some really interesting conversations with people. So if you're looking for uh, content there, uh, I think you'll be happy with that. And then we have the, the Glad and Longevity Supplement Shop, uh, where we basically curate things that we found to be particularly helpful. Um, and so you can go there and, and uh, purchase things there. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Took a lot of notes as always and uh, look forward to us being in contact. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash fitfatherproject to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.